are in the studio with Michael Card. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepard. We're coming to you from Franklin, Tennessee. And Michael, even though we're on the air every week on this station, I don't get to come here every week. We record these programs in batches, but mm-hmm. this is such a wonderful place to come. It's like a it's like a retreat for me to be able to come here. Well, good. I, well, it still amazes me that you and Joe Carlson are willing to fly down from Chicago <laughs> and spend this time. Uh, I, I appreciate both of you doing that so much. I can't tell you. Joe's across the glass in our control room. He's our producer. Kenny is our engineer here. We have a team of people that, mm-hmm. you know, there's some behind-the-scenes people who help make this happen. We want our listeners to know yeah. that this really is a functioning community right here in the studio. Absolutely. I mean, any, anything good comes out of community. <laughs> We've heard that message loud and yeah. clear on this program. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to Christmas. Last week, we began towards the end of our Bible study together to turn to the prophetic. We're going to devote a good chunk of our program today to looking at the promise of Christ in the Old Testament. Yes. And, it, it, you know, there are passages that we, we know, we sing them in Christmas, but there are some more obscure passages that we'll, we'll look at some of those too. Okay. And later, Phil Keggy is going to join us. Yeah, he's going to bring his guitar, and uh, it's so fun to talk to Phil with guitar in hand because all sorts of things happen there. And I'm going to tell you, our listeners up front, that we have not planned anything specifically with Phil. We're just going to see what happens. No, you can't plan anything specifically with Phil. Yeah, Phil Keggy in the second half here in the studio with Michael Card this week. Well, we urge our listeners to have your Bibles ready. If you're in a place where you can sit with the Scriptures in hand, we encourage you to do that as you listen this week because, uh, Michael, you're going to take us on a bit of a survey Mm -hmm. uh, looking for Christ in the Old Testament. We look forward to that. But as always, can we start with a song? Certainly. All right. How about The Promise? That would uh, fit right in here, wouldn't it? Michael Card, in the studio. The Lord God said when time was full He would shine his light in the darkness. He said a virgin would conceive and give birth to the promise. For a thousand years the dreamers dreamt and hoped to see his love. But the promise showed their wildest dreams had simply not been wild enough. The promise was love and the promise was light. The promise meant light to the world. Living proof that Yahweh saves For the name of the promise was Jesus The faithful one saw time was full And the ancient pledge was honored So God the Son, the incarnate one His final word, his own son Was born in Bethlehem came into our hearts to live what more could god have given tell me what more did he have to give what more could god have given tell me what more did he have to give the promise was love and the promise was light the promise meant light to the world living proof that yahweh saved the name of the promise was The promise was love and the promise was light The promise meant light to the world Living proof that Yahweh saves For the name of the promise was Jesus At last the proof Yahweh saves The name of the promise was Jesus 
That's great. Thank you, Michael. Um, Let's talk about the promise. Christ is the promise. You have a book called The Promise that unfortunately is out of print right now. You hope to bring Mm -hmm. it back soon. Yeah, InterVarsity has said that they'll reprint it for us. All right. We're looking forward to that. But you have a a copy of that out of print book in your hand right now. Yeah, there's a a couple of little essays I'd like to look at and and, uh, maybe read part of for you. The first one uh, has to do with the promise of Jesus and and, uh, what that means. It begins, and you shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Even his name is a promise. The Lord saves. That's Mm -hmm. what Jesus means. Mm -hmm. Yahweh saves. Christmas is the celebration of the keeping of a promise, the promise that God would someday erase the sin of the world in a single day. Zechariah 3, 9. That's a prophecy we rarely look at. Mm. The promise that he would someday walk with us, that we might be his people and he our God. Leviticus 26, 12. The promise that the fall would be undone by the one who would crush the head of the serpent, Genesis 3.15, a saving promise. Faith in the Old Testament is defined by a person's willingness to wait for the promises of God to come. Faith in the New Testament means following the promised one. In that promised one, God gave to us all he could give because a part of the self is given in the making of any real promise. Overwhelmed by his own desire to give, God sent the most treasured gift to keep the promise he himself made. God chose to suffer the punishment which should have been inflicted on those who are guilty of breaking the promise. So for those who see Christianity merely as a relationship in which we can ask God for things, Christmas reminds us that he has already given us his all, his own son. So Christianity is founded on a promise Faith involves waiting on a promise. Our hope is based on a promise. God promised he would be with us, not as some unseen ethereal force, but in the form of a person with a name, Jesus. He promised us salvation in the name, Jesus, by the name, Jesus, and through the name, Jesus. Mm. Again, that's from the book, The Promise, which will be back in print, we hope, in the coming year, perhaps. Yes, uh, yes. We'll look forward to reading more of that, and, and uh, maybe we can refer to that as we go along in our study here today. For you, generally speaking, Michael, what, I mean, you have unlocked for me and for many people the excitement of Bible study and going back through the Old Testament and seeing these pictures of Christ mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. But what, is it, what has it done for you in your life? Well, I can remember as a, as a young man, uh, that was one of the first things that got me excited to, to realize. I think, first of all, when I saw in the Old Testament that there was a more accurate description of the crucifixion in the Psalms mm-hmm. than there was in the Gospels. I mean, that's amazing. You know, in the Gospels, uh, nowhere does it say uh, they pierced his hands and feet. We get that from the Psalms. I mean, in, in the Gospels, Jesus is showing them his hands and feet mm-hmm. right after mm-hmm. it's all over. But there are so many, uh, so many passages like that. And I think when you would see a passage seven, eight hundred, nine hundred years before the event, uh, in such great detail. Uh, that was just an exciting thing for me. It's one of the things that makes the Old Testament so relevant. You really? know, sometimes we relegate the Old Testament and we don't even spend any time reading the Old oh, Testament. Oh, yeah, and people will say, oh, that's the God of the Old Testament, as if they're two different gods, which drives me absolutely crazy. But uh, to, to, to realize that the Old Testament really is meant to prepare us to meet Jesus. All those books, all the prophecies and songs and stories uh, are just a preparation for what we're about to celebrate, the time when he'll actually come into the world. Yeah, we've talked about this concept in the New Testament about in the fullness of time, yeah. God sent his own son. Well, the fullness of time, I mean, there was some, a lot of things happened 
prior to that, and that's what the Old Testament is yeah, all about. Yeah, thousands of years. I mean, you go all the way back to the garden, and that's that's amazing to me in Genesis 3.15. Uh, that's where it all started, uh, when the curse uh, is pronounced uh, on the serpent. Uh, God says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. See, he will crush you. Jesus crushes Satan, but he, he will be wounded. Uh, interesting, even the heel is mentioned because Jesus' heel is wounded when he's crucified. Now, do we need to be on this side of the incarnation and the cross to really understand that? Or do you think the readers of the Old Testament, obviously they were looking forward to a Messiah. Yeah, I, I think it, it seems like about half the time they got it. Um, in in uh, the New Testament world, when Jesus comes on the scene, uh, th- thanks to the Pharisees, there was a renewed hope in the coming of the Messiah. And I would think maybe about half the time they got it right. Uh, the the classic passages that we call the suffering servant of the Lord passages, the Pharisees completely missed those. They could not understand that the Messiah would suffer. The they couldn't reconcile that, could they? N- no way. And that and that's why when when Peter uh, says, you know, to Jesus, "You're the Christ." And at that point, Jesus starts to explain that being the Christ means suffering and dying. Peter will take him aside and say, it will never happen to you. Because Peter has been trained by the Pharisees. He's, he's gone to the synagogue. You know, this is uh, speculation, but can't you just imagine that there was someone who did get it? You know, who's someone yeah. who really understood and, mm. and in, in, the, in his quiet own way was just looking forward yeah. to that kind of Messiah. That's an interesting thought, Wayne. And, and, and you, I mean, you've got to imagine that the Holy Spirit was speaking, you know, to some people's heart. But the, by and large, the major opinion uh, was that the, uh, the Christ, the Messiah, was this glorious king who would, you know, defeat the Romans and set up his kingdom. That's what all the disciples were expecting. Mm-hmm. And uh, suffering was not a part of it. And certainly resurrection uh, was not something that they understood. Because if you look at those uh, passion narratives, nobody, absolutely nobody was expecting, even though he said he would, nobody was expecting Jesus to be raised from the dead. And for me, it lends so much more importance when you get the entire sweep of God's plan throughout history. I mean, the, the incarnation, the death and resurrection of Christ, of course, are just pivot points for our Christianity, but yeah. to understand that against the backdrop of all of human history up to that point. Yeah, it, it is. it really is the central point of the history of the whole world, of mm-hmm. the whole creation, the coming of Jesus into the world, and uh, that life that, mm-hmm. that ended and began with the crucifixion. You mentioned Genesis. Um, do you have another uh, text there in the Old Testament that well, we could turn to? Well, we look at Leviticus 26.12, which is uh, basically the, the reward for keeping the law. This is what you get you know, if you keep all of the commandments. And what you get is, God says, I will walk with them and be their God and they'll be my people, which again is 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 not a, a, as clear a reference of the incarnation, but the idea of God walking with us, hmm. which was, uh, uh, you know, more than any Old Testament person could, could grasp because God is not someone you walk with. God is someone who, if you even look at you die, mm-hmm. right? Well, Yahweh. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you, no one can see my face and live. And yet all through scripture and the Old Testament, God talks about walking with his people and being with his people because that's his deepest desire to walk with us and be with us. And then what happens in the incarnation, God comes to us in his son and he walks with us and we see his face. And, and as the gospel is preached, we start, you know, becoming his people, which is so exciting. And that all began with that little baby in the 
in the cattle trough. Hmm. And the other passage I we we skipped right over was was this Zechariah three nine passage, which I think is so exciting. Uh, let's turn to it. You Zach, have it right there. I I uh, I have to. We'll, we'll take the time to, to get, turn to it. I have to get there. Let's see. That's in the end. This right, is the Bible drill. Can Michael get to Zechariah here? <laughs> I don't have one of those cheater Bibles that has the little. Uh, uh, little indents, you know. So I was never very good at sword drill. But Zach, Zechariah three nine um, reads this way. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I'll start with eight. Listen, O high priest Joshua and your associates seated before you, who are men symbolic of things to come. I am going to bring my servant, the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua, and read. read skip on down. Um, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. Mm. And that happens. I don't think I'd ever paid any attention to that verse before. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful promise. And again, we are celebrating the coming into the world of the promised one. His name is a promise. Every time he turns, he's, he's fulfilling a promise. The blind see, the lame leap like deer, the dead are raised. And, and, and it, it still amazes me, Wayne, that more of Jesus' contemporaries didn't see in all that he said and did. The fulfillment. Oh, it was. And of, and, and of the people who should have known, the Pharisees and the, and the priests, the people who knew their Bible better than anyone, they would see uh, the healing of a man born blind and miss the miracle and, and only see the infraction of one of their rules. You know, that's a sober lesson for us today yeah. who, who think we know the Scriptures so well. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, we're going to turn to Isaiah here in just a moment. As a matter of fact, you have a song that's based on this well-known Isaiah 9 passage. Yeah, and, and it, again, it's one of the promises, uh, unto us a son is given. All right, Michael Card in the studio.
Well, that song comes right from Isaiah chapter 9. Michael, if I may, let me read those uh, few key verses here. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. These will be his royal titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule forever with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. The passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. That's the New Living Translation. And here's Isaiah 7, uh, 13 and 14. Then Isaiah said, Listen well, you royal family of David. You aren't satisfied to exhaust my patience. You exhaust the patience of God as well. All right then, the Lord himself will choose the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It's as if Isaiah is saying here, look, I'm, you know, you're frustrating me. I'm going to make this as clear as I can for you. Yeah. How much clearer could he make it? Yeah. Hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. Yeah, nothing like that, obviously, to ever happen and, <laughs> and, and ever happened again. Huh. Let me read to you an essay that's woven around those two passages. In the waiting room of holy history, a voice or a thousand voices cry out, unto us a child is born to us and for us. God has sent his son. This birth announcement came not from angels, but from the seared lips of the prophet Isaiah. And in order to fully grasp the meaning of Christmas, we have to go back farther than the first century. We must go all the way back to 700 BC and the ministry of this extraordinary man, a poetic old soul, who understood better than any of the other prophets the full meaning of the word Messiah. The clarity of Isaiah's vision is staggering, from the virgin birth, the passage we just read in 7.14, to the suffering of the Lamb of God in 53.7. He saw that the Holy One of Israel would give himself to his people as well as the Gentile world. Isaiah even sees that in 42.6. The birth announcement in Isaiah 9 opens with the great promise, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. The great light is, of course, that selfsame Son who was born. It is the messianic dawn. Then comes the majestic katina of throne names for the promised one, this royal son of David, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, all we could ever imagine, could ever hope for, He is. He is the wise royal counselor who fills us with wonder, who holds the tangled storylines of history and will one day bring true understanding between all individuals and nations. He is the God of might, whose power can accomplish any and every task His holiness demands. His power we need not fear, for He is also the eternal Father, who is tenderness itself and who is ever motivated by his everlasting love for his children. Finally, he is Prince of Peace, whose first coming has already transformed society, but whose second coming will forever establish justice and righteousness. All this and infinitely more alive in an impoverished baby lying in a cattle trough. That is what Christmas means to find in a place where you would least expect to find anything you want, everything you could ever want. 
That again is from your book, The Promise. Um, you point us in this direction with that essay, but let's talk about what it means to us. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you talk there about the uh, the wonderful provision that's in all these names that are given mm-hmm. to Christ. Uh, let's talk about what this all means to us today. It's one thing to understand it in the scope of history. It's another thing to yeah. live in it today. Well, Wayne, I, the older I get, the, the it's funny, the simpler things get. <laughs> I don't know if that's been true <laughs> for you. Yeah. But um, I think it, it increasingly for me it boils down to this a matter of the heart, God's heart and our hearts. I mean, I've, I've said this so many times that the deepest desire of God's heart is to be with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Emmanuel is all about, God with us. That's what, what the cross was about. That's what the manger was about. Yeah, that's, that was God's means of accomplishing what had to be done so that he could be with us. But it's also about the deepest desire of our hearts and uh, way perhaps deep down underneath all of the the gunk of our fallenness and sin, I think is the desire, first of all, to not be alone, but secondly, to be with God. I think we were created to be with Him. Uh, We've been separated from Him ever since the garden, obviously. But I think that's what Christmas is all about, Mm -hmm. is the, the coming together of two hearts and God doing everything it took to make that possible, which meant coming in human form and and dying for us. We make a lot about Christmas and all that it is and all that it uh, should be that isn't. Uh, But maybe that's the best thing we can do this season is just to kind of just remember that, it, you know, that key phrase, God with us, he may yeah. well. And, and to get back in touch with the real longing of our hearts. I think, uh, uh, be, uh, unfortunately, the commerciality of it, uh, it fulfills another greedy longing of our hearts for presents and mm-hmm. for uh, all the busyness of Christmas. But I think uh, God has created us for relationship with him. And Christmas is when we celebrate the fact that he has come. And he, he has fulfilled every promise, every single promise he ever made, he's fulfilled to us. You know, I think maybe Christmas has become an easy target. We say, yeah. oh, it's commercial and it's sure. terrible. And, you know, yeah. in reality, we live like that all year long. Sure. And, and, and we need to, and we set up all kinds of rules and regulations and codes that we have to follow and everything. It comes right. down to this, as you said, sim- simple uh, matter, God with us. God God has come to his people. He's fulfilled that promise. And at last, after all hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, he's come. And that's what we have to celebrate. Well, Michael, I have enjoyed, and I'm sure our listeners have as well, this uh, look into the Old Testament, looking for Christ the Messiah there. But I know you're getting ready to sing another song for us here. Mm. What's, what's this uh, title? Well, this song is called Thou the Promise, which uh, I guess came out of a of pretty simple realization, bringing together this idea of all of God's promises being wrapped up in Jesus in the incarnation. Because, Wayne, what has happened is the promise has become a person. He's the promised one. Praise God for that. Well, Michael, we'll ask you to sing this song next. It's called Thou the Promise. Thou the promise and keeper of the promise our salvation and our only Savior, our redemption, our Redeemer, Thou art ours and we are Thine. Savior, servant, deliverer, Messiah, our great King, desire of all Yeah. 
called Thou the Promise. Michael Card here in the studio today. And Michael, let's uh, close this segment in prayer, if we may. And I'll start if you'll, if you'll pray following me then. And Lord, um, we do address you as our wonderful counselor. We address you as everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, what a privilege for us to address you as our friend. Thank you for desiring to be with us. Uh, thank you for the truth of the Incarnation that, as foreshadowed in the Old Testament, uh, Christ uh, there for us to see plainly. Thank you for the richness of this study today. And now may we live in the light of what we've learned here today, in Christ's name. And Lord Jesus, we are a confused people, and you've come to us as a counselor to help us sort out our confusion and our fallenness. And we are weak people, Lord, you know we are, and yet you're the mighty God, and you give us your strength And even though we've had fine earthly fathers, there's something in each one of us that feels as if we're orphans, we're fatherless. And you've come to us as a wonderful father, understanding and forgiving and walking with us and listening to us and loving us. And Jesus, we are in a world that knows no peace. It's turmoil and war. And yet you're the Prince of Peace. You're everything we need, everything we need. So we celebrate you. We, we thank you. We place you high and, and, and look to you in, in gratitude and thanksgiving. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you for coming to us. It seemed like such a long, long wait, and yet you're here. We celebrate you. We love you. All these things we lift up in your name. Amen. You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. I want to remind you that you can find out more about this program and Michael's ministry by going to www.michaelcard.com. We hope you'll take a moment and let us know what you think of this program. If today's study in the Word has stirred some questions you have about the Bible or living the Christian life, please pass those along to us at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Coming up in the second half, we'll continue to prepare ourselves for Christmas with our friend, guitarist Phil Keggy, here on the Moody Broadcasting Network. been much too long since we invited Phil Kagi here in the studio with Michael Card, but Phil is here. Let's enjoy this music together.
Well, Phil, welcome back. Thanks, Michael. Good to be with you again. We were together just uh, this weekend. We sure were. Yeah. In fact, yesterday we were making our way home, and we're back in the studio together today. Mm-hmm. And there aren't very many people that I'd want to spend more, even more time with, but uh, you are one of those people. So it's well, good to see you, you again, brother. And thanks for for doing this when I know you were tired. Well, we're we're both feeling the road a bit, aren't we? <laughs> but it's good to be here. Uh, you know, for instance, that little piece I just played. Uh, we called somebody up, didn't we, on the phone, saying, "Now, how's the melody of that go?" <laughs> I actually recorded it on my my Christmas album, but it you know eluded me. I don't know how you keep everything as straight as you do, Phil. Yeah. So I was thinking that as you were playing, I thought, "How does he keep all that straight?" Uh, pretty amazing. No, it's like it's like you know getting the little kid up on the bicycle again. Yeah. You know, once you get moving, it's when you stand still that you fall over. Right. So Establish once, a neural pathway. You've got right. them all up there. Once you heard the tune, then you were off and running. Yeah. yeah. Once I remembered the melody, okay. then the rest of it, like the little arrangement you know, that I did, came back to me. Huh. And uh, I, I remembered about 90% of what I did. <laughs> and what is that called? Uh, now you had to ask me that. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's called Coventry Carol. Yeah. It's, it's an old English, old English. Mm-hmm. Christmas mm-hmm. song. I always loved it. You know. Yeah. Beautiful. And how fitting that you would play that for us today, because here we are in the Christmas season. And, uh, Michael, that's what we want to talk about with our friend Phil Kage here today. Yeah, we'd like to talk about creativity and the incarnation and the Christmas season and how it is that uh, Christmas has called forth so much creativity from from people over the ages, like that carol. Absolutely. And um, people are continually creating music to the glory of God because of the the great news, the the good news of the gospel. And... um, uh, it happened uh, from time of you know memorial. Is that how you say it? You know, back since the day Jesus was born, mm-hmm. you know the shepherds were were rejoicing and worshiping, and the angels were singing. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, the Father, the Creator, uh, who has never stopped creating, creates praise. the The Word says, "The people whom I formed for myself shall declare my praise, mm-hmm. and let all the angels worship Him." and uh, so we are gifted with uh, the gift of creativity, and that's to be used to the glory of God to worship the Son. I understand what you're saying, but on the other hand, year after year, we think through the same things and we sing the same songs. And how? And let me ask each of you: how do you how do you create when it comes to the Christmas message? What what is going on uh, in your in your ministry and your creativity during this season, especially, Phil? Well, for me, it's an, it's a chance to be spontaneous before the Lord with, with my music. And um, as I see Michael, Michael is a writer, you know, and a very good one. And when you write and compose songs, Michael, they are filled with gospel truth content, just like the hymns, you know. Uh, in in my—I I love instrumentals, and I'm more gifted at the area of instrumentals than I am vocals or lyrics. So I, I come up with music that I think may be a new twist, the Lord may say, I never never heard it put that way before, <laughs> and that's what I want to do. I, I want to bring something new and fresh to maybe an old idea. And when we do concerts together, uh, that's that's something that I, I struggle with. I don't think you struggle with it, but Phil does it different every night. I find one way that works, and I do it the same way every time, but uh, somehow it all works out. It does yeah. somehow. It's interesting you should say that because uh, on the way to the studio today, I was thinking about the two of you, and I was reading through the Psalms, and I came across a Psalm that was 
sung or written, I guess, you guys tell me, by the sons of the descendants of Korah. Right. And I thought, that's what you guys are. Well, they're you're, definitely you're, sung. You're, yeah. you're uh, descendants of Korah. You know, you're kind of like the psalmist for our generation. You're bringing us mm-hmm. new songs. I guess mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say. And we want to do that. We want to we yeah. be that for the Lord and for people. People need encouragement and hope, and oftentimes God uses music and poetry to do that yeah. very thing. And, and new songs are always a sign that God's Spirit's on the move. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. when well, we're looking at the Incarnation. What happens, uh, especially in Luke, when Jesus is born, All and, and before he's born, people start singing new songs. Uh, the angels are singing, uh, uh, Simeon's singing, Anna's singing, even Mary, when she finds out, she sings this beautiful little song that they call the Magnificat. And, and in Revelation, what's the big climax of Revelation? And they sang a new song. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think that's always a sign that God is moving. Absolutely. Yeah. And in, in Isaiah, I remembered um, a friend of mine pointed out to me the amplified version of that, of that one verse in Isaiah that says, Sing unto the Lord a new song, a song such as never been heard in the heathen world. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but... Uh, but it was it was uh, put very well, you know. There's a lot of music that's not out there. To Does that say to you that sun. we have something a message that's even more important than what the world would have to sing about? Is that what that means to you, Phil? Yeah, I think the message through the gospel, if the gospel is sung and presented in music, it brings life to people, hmm. only because it it, tra- it, it is um, communicating the life of God in lyric and music. But it's actually the Spirit of God Himself who who actually brings life to an individual hmm. through rebirth, you know, through the new birth. Interesting. So, but music is a part of it. It's like God loves music, it seems to me, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, this is a very spontaneous uh, Christmas time conversation here as we have Phil Keggy along with Michael Card in the studio today. And Phil, you have a new Christmas CD called Majesty and Wonder that we want to bring attention to. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But since mm-hmm. this is spontaneous, Michael, can we invite Phil to do something else for yes, us? Yes, we can. You want to do something for the new CD, maybe? I can or? try. Okay. Um, We're going to put you on the spot. And okay. yes, this is being done as we speak. This is not uh, pre-recorded in any way. Um, let's see.
Oh, that's so very nice. And I heard the new along with the old melody there, too. You? Michael, you had a look of, uh, that's unbelievable on your well, face a moment I've ago. Never, well, when he started the tapping thing, I'd never heard it done that way. <laughs> oh, I never it's was amazing. done that way. <laughs> that's not how I did it on the, on the recording. <laughs> is Majesty and Wonder all instrumental, Phil? Yes, it is. Right. Except for a couple places where um, Michelle Toombs' voice oh. comes in to to give it some beautiful sparkle. Sure. Mm. There's a few originals on there, but many of them are familiar melodies. Mm. Um, and I think the album was released a couple of years ago, but you know, it's it's uh, well, we're basically it, new for everybody. Yeah, we're making it new again here today. Oh, good, I guess good. is what we're doing. We'll talk more about how our listeners can get a hold of that <clears throat> from Phil Kagi, who's in the studio with Michael Card today. Yep. Website. You have a website. We'll link our websites here. Let's do. Yeah. Let's do. Uh, mine's uh, philkeggy.net, and yours is? Mycard.com. So. Michaelcard.com, yeah. right. Yeah. Get the full Michael out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, again, uh, Phil, thanks for being here with Ooh, us. We're okay. getting so close to Christmas now, isn't it? It's just kind of fun to sit and listen to these, these songs from Phil here today. Yeah, thanks. I was listening in my head to the lyric of that uh, song as you were playing it and uh, thinking about the first person that composed that lyric who was uh so excited about this the babe the son of mary Mm -hmm. and putting that beautiful melody to it and thinking how uh how ever since we've been trying in our sort of fragmented way to sing about what he means is what is coming into the world means what is coming into our hearts and our lives means and uh even as john says you know the world couldn't contain all the books that could be written i guess Mm -hmm. same as with songs because there's so many stories, so many lives changed. No, no other person has ever affected humanity like the Lord Jesus Christ. No. That's a that's a proven fact. Yeah. So, Phil, when you come up with a, a tune like you just played for us, you took the the old melody. Do you hear the beginning, the end at the beginning, or do you just sort of let it happen as you kind of let it happen and, and and feel nervous all the way through it? <laughs> Uh, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I just go for the ride, you know, and just enjoy the experience. Isn't that ironic that you feel nervous while we feel so relaxed listening to yeah. it? Yeah, but that's all. That's also sort of a. Um, it's 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 partly a trick as well. It's not just taking a ride with Phil because behind all that is years and years of uh, hard work and and scales and you know uh, playing other melodies in the same key that you know that sort of thing you know that it, it only becomes easy after it's been hard for a long time you mean I think. even phil keggy has to practice is that what you're telling oh, me absolutely. uh no one i don't know anyone who plays as much as phil plays when we were on the road together uh you you know you'd, you'd come to get him in his hotel room and you'd knock on the door and you hear a guitar and <laughs> yeah you, i like you, to play yeah you'd take him you'd take him we'd sound check and then after sound check he you know before dinner he'd be back there playing and we drop him off at the hotel, and I'd go down to get a Coke or something, and I'd walk by his room, and I'd still hear a guitar. So <laughs> there's a reason uh, the guitar comes to life the way it does it's when like he plays. He's missing an arm or something when he's not holding that guitar. Yeah. Huh? Just missing a finger. <laughs> yeah, he is missing a finger, which is in a whole other story, which we've talked about here on the program before. You've got something else there. I, I thought I can... maybe Michael and I could sing this together. All right. What? God rest you, merry gentlemen. I bet you know the words, don't you? No. Really? God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O 
tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that, oh, how that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. <laughs> oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Okay, let's do that again. Ready? From God our Heavenly Father a blessed angel came And unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy That's off. That's on the fly. <laughs> Does or, it have to stop? Is my question. Yeah. <laughs> on the fly. Oh, anyway. you amaze me. You just amaze me. Um, uh, that's Phil Kagi here in the studio today. Uh, Phil, what uh, what role does Scripture have in your music? I know that you know uh, you're a man of the word, but talk about that for a moment and creativity in the Scripture. Well, I've always wanted to make a project that was entirely the Psalms, and I really hope to someday because I've got about. You know, I've got about seven or eight of them stacked up that are special psalms that I put music to. Um, I can tell you that uh, there have been times in my life where I was dealing with maybe a fear or or a a problem, and that when I went to God's Word, it it was the vital key that helped raise me up, because God's Word has life and has resurrection power, you know, and... And oftentimes God uses his people with the word. You know, the Lord is for me among those who help me, Psalm says. And uh, he sent forth his word and healed them. And sometimes he sends his his word forth through others and for encouragement and for uh, a sense of uh, strengthening and, uh, and healing. So in my music... The one of the more important albums I think I've done has been Inseparable, which is I was sharing with a friend of mine, Greg here, who uh, uh, the album is not popular because it doesn't contain any popular music, but it has more of the word in it hmm. than my previous albums. Hmm. I mean, one song is entirely the scriptures, another one quotes scriptures, you know, and and I, because I believe that people need to hear the word, and hmm. there's one song that's the Beatitudes. I thought, well, God's Word, Jesus, the Word of Jesus is uh, the life-giving Word. And uh, he said, you are clean because of the Word which I've spoken to you and uh, and other places, mm-hmm. right, Michael, where mm-hmm. the Word brings life and health. Well, I was just thinking uh, when you were playing about the passage in John that says uh, nothing was made except he made it, he, and even songs and, and new expressions of creativity. I mean, he's in there somewhere, his spirit's mm-hmm. in there breathing, mm-hmm. especially when I hear you play, I think that. 
Yeah, it just seems like the word uh, belongs to music, and music belongs to the word mm. in many cases. Yeah. You know, it's the most ideal place. And you think of Handel's Messiah, and you think of these great Christmas compositions and the works of Bach, mm. and uh, and the the Passion of John. You know, and you know all those great pieces. And uh, then what we have in today's contemporary music, um, it's 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 wonderful, and people love it, and uh, they turn out for those kind of events. Because it's an exciting event, hmm. you know. Phil. Here at Christmas time, I'm wondering, and you've got this uh, this Christmas CD called Majesty and Wonder. Is there a a, a particular event that you kind of tie in with Christmas? Maybe a creative moment that uh, was just God just coming to you and God just speaking through you and to you. I think it was around the time of around 19 Christmas, around 1980. Our our daughter Alicia was not even a year old yet, and she was she was our promised child, you know. My wife Bernadette and I had lost babies three times before Alicia was born. Mm. Now she's 22. Mm. But that was a heartache time yeah. through the mid-70s uh, to the end of uh, 79. And Bernadette has a book about that experience. Yes, yes, yes. she does. Mm-hmm. And um, But uh, there was a song that came to me around that time. It wasn't a Christmas song, but it was a song that tied in Christmas to New Year's. Coming, coming into the year of 1981. It was called Our Lives. And the message that God gave to me for the song was was how the old need the young and the young need the old. Mm-hmm. We need each other. And that's what that song is about. It's about our lives. It's not about my life. It's not about your life, but it's about our lives. And when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a people that are, that are one, you know. And... Um, so that particular Christmas was special to me. I remember Bernadette coming down, and I, tell, I told her, listen to this song I'm working on. I said, could you sing it with me? So she sang on the demo with me. Hmm. So Bernadette shared in that moment with me. And then when we went to the recording studio to record Town to Town in 81, she sang with me on the record, too, hmm. when it was records back in those days. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had no plans on talking about an isolated song like that, and that might be because... Uh, I was playing somewhere recently, and someone said, "Would you play that song?" And I and I sang it. I remembered it, and uh, it brought this heartwarming feeling. And I remember it was yeah. during that Christmas season that I wrote it. So, mm. do you have just a piece of it you could share with I us now? A touch of it, yeah. yeah. See here. gone by, did we sing? Did we laugh? Did we cry again? There's a year that's gone by, did we rush? Did we care to take time? Time for old forgotten people who look to the younger ones to be their eyes. Inspire and to cheer, hold a hand and draw near to the wise. Can we count the blessings that we've learned? Actually, it goes, Can we count the lessons that we've learned? When life's a gift, how then can it be earned? Have we finally found the meaning 
lies. Go something like that. Oh, Phil, thank you. <laughs> You know, I I know there's someone, don't you feel it, Michael? Someone's listening here. You know, we're getting closer to Christmas, and they're kind of feeling just a little down about something that's happened this past year, and God used that song just now. Yeah, someone who, the song has gone out of their life, and they need to find it again. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, Phil, you have helped us fulfill the mission of this program. Think about it. We've talked about the Word. We've talked about creativity. We've talked about community here today. And he made me do something creative that I didn't (laughs) want to do, sing a song I didn't know. Well, that's what I've been doing all the whole time. (laughs) I came here completely, I confess, unprepared. Yeah. You know, but... uh, Well, we knew the Lord would speak through you, Phil, and he did. Our time is gone, but you've got to take us out with just a little bit more of a Christmas melody here. Okay, let's see a Christmas melody. All right. Um... How about Thanks to Phil Kagey for joining us in the studio with Michael Card. Before we go, I want to remind you to take a moment and send us your comments as well as your questions about the Bible or the Christian life. The email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Again, the email in the studio at michaelcard.com. Information about this broadcast is waiting for you online at www.michaelcard.com. Just go to the radio page for the details you need including a link to Phil's website. And when you stop by, be sure you explore the other features we have for you. At this time of year, you can see how you can make a difference around the world when you click on the Share the Word button. And then learn how you can stay connected with behind-the-scenes news and special downloads we have in a section called The Community. As always, you can check out the complete listing of books and CDs available, including Michael's latest DVD release, Scribbling in the Sand. It's all found at michaelcard.com. And then join us next week as we continue to honor the Christ of Christmas. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris, our producer Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Carr. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.